This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. What do combat veterans, assault survivors, and stroke victims have in common? They can all develop post-traumatic stress disorder. We'll have a startling interview. The younger an individual is when they experience life-threatening medical events, so heart attacks and strokes, the more likely they are to develop PTSD. Then... Think young adults are abandoning libraries and print books for e-books and other forms of high technology? Think again. The eye-opening story is ahead. Even though you younger Americans probably have to read print books for school, they aren't more likely to read e-books than older adults. It's actually their parents who are reading e-books. Those two interviews and much more are heading your way on this week's edition of InfoTrack. Stick around. Our show will get underway right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. A recent study had disturbing news for stroke victims. A significant number end up with symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. With more about this, we're joined by the lead author of the study, Donald Edmondson, Assistant Professor of Behavioral Medicine at the Columbia University Medical Center in New York. Donald, we commonly hear about this disorder in combat soldiers or assault victims. Before this study was done, was there any awareness these symptoms were this common in stroke victims? Not in stroke victims, but we have been collecting data over the years since 1994 when we first realized that life-threatening illness can cause post-traumatic stress disorder. We've been collecting information about the rates of PTSD due to various life-threatening illnesses like cancer, heart attacks, and now with this latest study, strokes. What exactly is post-traumatic stress disorder and what's the typical outcome for those who have it? Post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, is an anxiety disorder that is initiated by exposure to a life-threatening event that a person considers traumatic. Basically, the symptoms come in four clusters. The first are what we call re-experiencing symptoms, intrusive thoughts about the event, nightmares, sort of the past intruding on the present for the individual. The second cluster of symptoms are avoidance symptoms. So the individual tries to avoid thinking about the traumatic event, tries to avoid reminders in their environment of the traumatic event. And these avoidance behaviors impede on their daily functioning. Third are negative alterations in cognition and mood. So people often feel inordinately bad about themselves, feel depressed mood, that sort of thing. And finally, physiological hyperarousal. So think about when you feel very nervous or very on edge, sort of sweaty palms or exaggerated startle reflex, and often insomnia or trouble sleeping. So depression is one of the symptoms of this. PTSD and depression often travel together. You can imagine experiencing a traumatic event, and when you can't stop thinking about that event and you set up your life such that you're trying your best not to recall a very aversive past event, you start to lose enjoyment in life, and negative alterations in mood are a part of that. Is it possible to anticipate this happening in victims and maybe do things to counter it, such as giving some type of drugs or something to the victim? So far, our research hasn't been so great at offsetting PTSD because we're not 
terribly good at figuring out at the time of a traumatic event who's going to go on to develop PTSD and who's not. However, in heart attack survivors, we have found that the environment that we treat them in, the medical environment, may influence the extent to which people go on and develop PTSD symptoms. For instance, we found last year that the extent to which the emergency department in which they're treated is overcrowded influences the number of PTSD symptoms they report a month later. We're talking on InfoTrack with Donald Edmondson, Assistant Professor of Behavioral Medicine at the Columbia University Medical Center in New York, talking about a study which showed that one in four stroke survivors develop post-traumatic stress disorder. Donald, what else besides strokes or war combat or sexual assault can cause this disorder? Any life-threatening event can cause PTSD even exposure to life-threatening events. So we know that parents whose children experience life-threatening illness can also develop PTSD because of that close approximation to a life-threatening event. The thing that we have been most interested in in the past years have been cardiovascular diseases specifically. So last year we found that about one in eight heart attack survivors developed significant symptoms of PTSD after the heart attack. And we also found that those who develop PTSD after a heart attack are at twice the risk of their counterparts for developing another heart attack or dying in the next one to three years. So it's sort of a vicious cycle because the heart attack can cause PTSD and then PTSD appears to be associated with having yet another heart attack or dying. Is there any correlation with age or sex in the victims? We know from a number of studies, it appears that women may be more susceptible to PTSD. But one thing that's interesting about life-threatening medical events, so heart attacks and strokes, it appears, is that the younger an individual is when they experience that event, the more likely they are to develop PTSD. And we think that that might be because young people experience a heart attack or a stroke as more off-time, that they haven't seen their peers go through these things and come out on the other side. They also may have their day-to-day activities more impacted by these types of events. Once you have realized that someone does have this disorder, the best way to treat it is what? We have good treatments for PTSD. We haven't done the trials in heart attack and stroke survivors. There's been one small trial in heart attack survivors showing that cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, which is a type of talk therapy done with a psychotherapist or a licensed clinical social worker, that that is beneficial for PTSD symptoms. But the first-line treatment is often a antidepressant medication called an SSRI, Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitor. And then we also offer psychotherapy services, which are very helpful as well. And usually we ask patients, what do you prefer, which is the best way to start. And if that works, great. And if it doesn't, we add the second. If someone has a spiritual life, a religion, a faith, what role does that play in post-traumatic stress disorder? You know, we don't know specifically about PTSD. But I can tell you that in our research, this was a number of years ago, we looked at people's psychological adjustment to heart failure, being toward the extreme end or severe end of heart failure toward the end of life. And we found that the question is much more complicated than does faith help? The question is what type of faith helps? Because it appears that people who derive comfort from their religion, who feel that God is on their side, they work with God as partners, do better psychologically. However, We also find that people who have religious faith but believe that this 
disease is evidence that God is punishing them or that God has abandoned them for something that they've done, do much worse. How often does post-traumatic stress disorder go undiagnosed in people? Very often. Unfortunately, PTSD is highly under-recognized, even in general practice clinics. But after a heart attack and stroke, the research just hasn't been there yet for doctors to really put that on their radar screen. We know, however, that doctors are good at incorporating this type of information. So, for instance, there's been a long history of research in the potential for depression after heart attacks and strokes. And we know now that doctors have really incorporated that into their assessment of how their patients are doing after these types of events. We expect that now with this information that screening for PTSD will become much more common. What advice would you have for our listeners if they think a loved one might have this disorder? Basically, what we're asking people to do is be aware. If your loved one has recently experienced a stroke or a heart attack and you find that they're constantly thinking about that, that they're waking up with nightmares about the event, that any mention of the event makes them sort of shut down or go into the other room or not want to talk about it. These may be indications that PTSD symptoms are present. And for a lot of people, they may avoid treatment so as not to have to think about it. Unfortunately, that's in the long term, not a very good strategy for many people. Those aren't going to go away. Yeah, it sounds like not wanting treatment may be a symptom of this disorder. That's unfortunate, but true. Donald Edmondson, Assistant Professor of Behavioral Medicine at the Columbia University Medical Center in New York. Donald, I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. Next, have digital ebooks turned the page on old fashioned libraries? The surprising story coming up. You're listening to InfoTrack. More after this.